So we're discussing uh, and Shmuel. the speech that Shmuel that Goliath makes to David and David's response. Okay, so now we everything is set for the battle. And it happened that when the Pishti got up, and he came, he came towards David, and I was attacking him. So he So he runs forward to, towards the Pishti too. In other words, he wasn't scared, he didn't show that he was scared to approach the Pishti on the contrary, he ran forward to the Pishti. David puts his hand into the room, he had the satchel of the shepherd where his stones were, so he puts his hand inside. And he takes out a stone, he uses a sling to shoot it at Goliath. And it hits the Pishti on his forehead. And the stone sunk in his forehead. And he fell on his face forward. Now, there's two strange things in this pasuk. Two areas which both of them you see Hashem doing a nice. The first one, <coughs> and that is, he was wearing a helmet. And if that's the case, how did the, how did the stone hit him on his It would have been the area in his body which was protected. If, like if Rabbi said yesterday, it would have gone into his eye, or something like that, there would have been an opening in the arm, as we understand that if they would have aimed it well enough to get a tattoo, he could have hit it. His forehead would have been a place which was protected. So how did the stone hit this part? So the Midrash presses this, and the Midrash says that Hashem didn't mix. And he caused, even though normally metal is stronger than stone, he caused the stone to penetrate the metal so it could hit, or could go through the armor and hit goddess on his head. And that's one point. Now the obvious question is, now we always ask the question, and that is, Hashem doesn't do this for nothing. When Hashem does a nest, there's a reason for a nest. And if Hashem can make things happen without the nest, then there's no, he has no reason to do the nest. Uh, the way the Rechal explains it is, Hashem's preferred modus operandi, Hashem's preferred way of acting is not to do anything. To make things happen without having to resort to changing things in the world, using the normal way the world runs to bring things to the way we want them to be. And it's only when there's no option, or it's a special le- lesson that Hashem wants people to learn, that he changes the world and does a nest. <coughs> and therefore, in this case, the question is, why was a nest necessary? If it would have been possible for the, the stone to, uh, to, to hit Goliath without having to do a nest of stone going through metal, which doesn't actually happen, so why not the Shwarat will make it happen in a way which was miraculous? That's the first point. There's a, and that's even more fascinating, is the Chazal, the Midrash. And the Midrash says that when the stone that David shot, like kind of approached with a guy that's fired, so the Midrash makes it more graphic and says, Keep the stone said to the metal, move out the way so that I can fulfill the mission I'm meant to do to kill guys. And uh, obviously, it wasn't that they actually talking to each other, but it was a contact. And the metal responds to the stone and says, well, what are you going to give me to move out the way for you? This is what the Midrash says. The Midrash says that until then, people used to do a bruise metal with a stone. Like it says in the Fashion, I'm not sure about it. When his wife saw that he was being punished for not giving a sign, she took a stone and she 
And uh, someone said, I'll give you the mitzvah of Mila if you let me penetrate. But it's his head. And that's uh, what happened since then. And then is that we use metal. We use a knife to do Mila. We don't use stone anymore. And obviously the question is, what's the one going to do with the other one? Why would this be the trade-off? I'll give you the mitzvah of Mila if, uh, if you move out the way so I can kill God. So we'll see. There's, there's, there's an interesting point you have to learn. That's the first nice which happens. The second nice which happens, and that is normally if someone gets hit on the head, they fall backwards, not forwards. It's the wrong direction. And here, what happened is, a person hits in the head, and as a result of that, he fell forward, which is illogical. The person is running and he gets hit in the head, he's going to knock it backwards. So, why did the guns fall in his face as opposed to falling on his back? Was Gullies running forward? They were both walking, going towards each other. So, and the then force he, of his body, he was gone that way, he got a little bullet. But then he got hit on his head, that should have knocked him backwards. He, but his body was still going forward. Yeah, but uh, he wasn't. He didn't lose his balance. He wasn't like he was falling. Uh-huh. He was only pushing him, so pushing whatever direction of the, the thrust was, which would be balanced. Okay. So for that, after that, he fall forward. Um, so that's the second thing which happens. Even the thrust should have been a nice also, a little rock and well, if, turn over a giant. If the other guy buried himself in his fire, so you understand that it's like kind of not the cause of the standing. But uh, which led also is then yes, that's also something is a mess. Either way around, the what, what happened? And then for David overpowered the, the fish with a sling and a stone. And then afterwards, Bayes hadn't gotten killed yet. He locked him up, he was still alive. Afterwards David strikes him and kills him. But the Kherb ain't be a David didn't have a sword. I was said before, he left the sword behind. So how did he kill the fish then? The Bosnian tells the Bosnian, Bayar is David, Bayam the Napishti. So David runs to the Pishti, he's not falling on the floor. Bayifik is Harbut. He takes the Pishti sword, Bayish the Pomitaira, and he takes it out of the street, or the girl of the Pishti takes his own sword, Bayam is Sabin. And he killed him with his own sword, Bayifik is Harbut. He severs his head, and Bayira Pishti and Kimeski Bayram Bayanusa. And then when David picks up the, fallen, the head of Goliath on the sword, so now they see that the leaders. Or the general has died, and now the Christian has lost the battle, they all run away. And like we saw, the Christian didn't try and fight. They understood that it was a combat one on one between Goliath and David. Goliath lost, and now they, they lost too, so they all run for their lives. Okay, so that was the, that's the battle between Goliath and David. It didn't take very long, it took a few seconds. Um, it wasn't like a lengthy skirmish on the country. As soon as they approached each other, Goliath died right away. Um, and let's point out something here. We just saw another battle too. There's no need for more than that. Battles don't have to last a long time. Battles don't have to last a long time. The only time, the only reasons why battles are sometimes drawn out is because it's not clear it's not one side has the system to win. So it takes time until it's going to make the balance in Shemaim clear one or the other way. Whereas if it's quite clear what's going to happen, then it doesn't take time for it to happen. It can happen immediately. And here it was clear that David is a Munna. He was going to fight Hashem Hashem, and of course, Kirish Hashem was going to was going to be the cause of the victory, and that's the case. But then there was no there was no hesitation. As soon as the battle started, it ended. And it's just one the battles also in Tanakh, and that is that if it was very clear who was meant to win and who was coming Hashem Hashem, the battle didn't take a long time. Even if you're talking about a lot of people involved, even if you're talking about a lot of people involved, it was very quick battles. The battle just took a long time because it wasn't clear who was right and who was wrong. For example, the siege of Yishalayim took three years. 
That's a very long time, especially if the battle in Tanakh. Why? Because it wasn't, firstly, Nebuchadnezzar was a Rashi, David didn't deserve to win. But on the other hand, the Jews, Hashem was waiting, they couldn't deserve to win, they're going to get better, they're not going to get better. So the travel drags that more and more and more because in, in the scales of Shemaim, there isn't a very clear direction where this thing was going to go. Whereas when it's clear, like I said, even very, very big armies, the, the battle can be very, very fast. I must give one example of many, the Battle of Gidon, where it talks about when Gidon went to 300 people to fight the army of Midian, where the Apostle says there were shells, there as many as the sand on the sea, and the battle took a few minutes. What happened was the one soldier had a dream that the whole machine is getting overturned, and he tells the next one they all run into panic and they all start to run. And there's, but then the other side of the city running, they stand up to defend them, they think they're being attacked, they start killing each other. The whole thing powers out of control, absolute pandemonium, everybody breaks loose and runs, and that's the end of the Midian camp in a few minutes. It, it just didn't take a long time. And why? Because it was clear. Hashem told Midian, you're going to win. And, and that's why battles which take time are battles where in Shemaim is not clear who deserves to win. Battles which are clear in Shemaim who deserves to win, there's no reason for them to take time. And includes battles in Mongolian? And includes battles in Mongolian as well. And let's give some more examples of the same idea. <coughs> Even battles between Jews. When, uh, when the whole crash went to fight Shevet Binyamin, like we learned at the end of Sefer Shevetim, so it took a few days of fighting, because there also, it wasn't clear who, was, who was really deserved to lose. There were Hashem had titles on both sides, and therefore the battle took time, but for one side was deserved to win. And in the meantime, there was uh, losses, heavy losses on both sides. Whereas when one side is clearly going to win, the other side clearly deserves to lose, and it's a very quick battle. It doesn't take a long time. Uh, when battles are very drawn out, it's just because there's no clear resolution of what's going to happen. For example, the battle that the Jews fought against Haman on one day, they killed 127 provinces of the There was a fight against Amalekim. And in one day they won and killed 75,000 people. You're only given one day to fight. But they won. There was enough. In other words, it, didn't, it wasn't a long protracted struggle. There were two sides here which had to like, wear each other down. Uh-huh. It was very quick. It's after the battles where it's not clear who's going to win, in a spiritual sense, it takes a long time. It takes a long time. And another example of that is a battle which takes a long time is again, Beitar. When the Romans attacked Beitar, it took years and years and years. And the whole time, it wasn't clear who was winning. Until eventually, the Jews did something wrong, and they deserved to lose, and they lost. But until then, it, it was a, a very, very, very drawn-out battle. And that's always the same you say. The principle is that okay, when, when it's clear in Shemaim who's going to win, it's not a, it's not a, it's not, it doesn't take a long time to make it happen. Like we saw over here, as strong as Ganyas was, the battle with David was over in two, three months. Okay, so that's the... That's just the limit to learn from the story. Now, the the Nisan did. So the first Nisan that we spoke about, Gaius fell forward. So why was it necessary? So it's interesting, Chazals talk about it and they say to make it easier for David to kill him. Because being as Gaius fell forward, so he fell right in front of David. So his head was right there. It was much easier for David to kill him. Whereas had he fallen backward, so David would have removed the first year. Not just run further. But Goyas had a sword there. In other words, he had a soldier protecting him. So David had to deal with him first. But now, because Goyas fell forwards, now he fell in front of his sword bearer. So then David had right, access right away to, to kill him. It wasn't he had to uh, <coughs> take on uh, his guard as well. 
But he has still had to move up to get the sword. Right. The sword is not by the head. Yes, but still, first of all, the verse is big. So if he falls forward, he's fallen ahead of his soldier. So it's easier for David to get to him than had he fallen backwards and go around and to go back. It's very hard for Goliath. The significance of what's the significance of David using Goliath's own sword to kill him? What's the theatrics involved? Let's just him with the rock. Why does he cut off his head? So the side is that uh, we say in the passage, which talks about which talks about uh, in the future when we will kill the enemies, our enemies. It says, "I tell them the same as Tidrech." So not just kill them, but you'll stand by the same on the places which are high, like Abama. You'll stand in them, and you'll you'll use the, 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 whatever they have. Kidu, you take it away from them to use against them. And that was his idea also. That uh, it would have been one level of Nes. That David had a David killed the goddess with his son. It would have been Nes. It was a Nes at the start, penetrated his head. But what's a much bigger Hashpala, a much bigger downfall for Goliath, is he was killed with his own sword. And therefore, it was a, that was the seed. It wasn't just that David was stronger than you. It's that you used your own sword. He used your weapon to kill you with. It was a, that's kind of the problem with Samuel Tridri. What they had is gets used against them. So God is proud of himself. He had his sword, like he said himself. I'm coming to fight with the sword. And okay, that sword you have, that's what's going to kill you. It's going to, it's going to work again. It's not just that we're going to be stronger than you. We're going to use your own weapons against you. It was much more of a medical agreement, like you know, to show that what you were, what you were proud of, what you took, uh, yeah, you know, your confidence. This is what I have, which I'm going to fight with. I don't have. It's going to be used. It's going to be used against you. But the, the soul was very big. Okay, let's look at the first thing. So what is this idea of the, oh, the stone going through the metal and this, this midrash was talking about this strange trade-off that they made between each other. It says like this. Normally metal is stronger than stone. And normally the material in the world is that a stone doesn't penetrate metal. And that's why he did it in the nest. That Hashem changed the way the tab of the world was and that even something which was weaker, which was a stone, could then penetrate the metal which was strong. You know, if you ask, what is the next necessary for? What is the next necessary? Why would it, uh, why would uh, uh, Hashem need to do it in a way which is the next, as opposed to just finding a different way for God to trip him, whatever it would be, to bring him down without coming to this? <coughs> so, the, the simple chat is very passionate, there's something deep in it. The simple chat is, that exactly the whole, the whole story of what other events came to show. And that is something sweeter can overcome something stronger. Just like David is weaker than God, yes? And he uses a tool, which is a stone, which is weaker than God, which is metal. That was, that was part of the same mess. Did you come in with something which is physically stronger? Okay, HaKadosh Baruch can make the weak stronger than the strong. And uh, the one can avoid the other one. And therefore, that, that wasn't just showing that David could beat God, yes? It was also showing the fact that the stone could penetrate the metal. At one point. But it's not in the Kurosa. It's not in the Kurosa. And that is... Um, Metal is, in, is a weapon made by a person. There isn't naturally metal weapons in the world. Metal is a uh, other. A stone is maesayashim. It's not something which is made by a person. We never talked about this. When we talk about you can't use a metal on his back. You can't use anything made of metal on his back. Why? Because metal is made to kill people. You can't use something which is meant to kill on his back. So ask the question, stones can also kill. And his back made out of stones. Why is it? Metal, that's that. Uh, that's a killer. Why is it in his back and stones? You can kill people with stones too. You can kill people with stones. 
And it's just bad man this time. They can't be used to kill. What's the difference? The answer is metal, it's called cooling made to kill. It's not a natural thing. People make metal to use it as a weapon. And that's something which is not meant which is not meant to be on the Mizbech. A stone, people don't make stones to kill. The stones are there, Hashem made the stones. And uh, that's in the pudding also. And that is what Goyash represents is the Koyach of the people can do. And therefore, as 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 someone who's a mighty warrior, as someone who can fight, as someone who can make weapons, right? and David Dafka wants to come with him, you know, I don't need to make weapons to fight with you. It's uh, other, but Hashem made, that's, uh, that, that, that's what I'm going to use. Now, what's the, what was the trade-off, if that's the case, that the stone, which isn't a first man-made weapon, it's something which, like we said, a kosh rubber greater than the Bria, uh, can be stronger than metal. So what the Midrash says is that there was this Kiido trade, and then at this time, the metal would let the stone penetrate the metal, and we call that, we use metal to do a bris. So let's ask the question, go back a little bit. Why did they originally do bristles of the stone? The higher metal does a better job. The higher metal does a better job. It's, it's uh, just like any knife. When you do shkita, in the basement, you use stones, we use metal because it's sharper. Because it's, it's more, that's the tool which it's meant for. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a better cutting implement than a stone is. So why would the chachita, would they use a stone for this? And the answer is the same thing. Metal is a mashless. Metal is made to destroy. If you're using something for a bris, for a mixer, then you're not meant to use metal. And therefore, just like a Mizbeh, they don't use metal, they don't use metal for a bris either. Uh, and not just because a bris is like a carbon, but it's the same idea that a kilo of metal is something which is looked at as being uh, what a person needs to do bad with it. Did they shift the carbonus with they the They shift it with the knife. And we went from a fossil, because otherwise you have to trade off the carbon. So it's a mitzvah, and they used metal, so no look. Because over there, we're going to have a problem. If you don't use metal, you're going to make a trade. There's then of a blade which is a completely shot for for call for the shritta. It's going to ruin the shritta. So we, we use something which we can get much sharper. One could use the stone, but the knife they didn't. We have Rabbi Rabbi Meikah Chasam Achedes. They use the knife because the knife would do a better job. So for all the purpose being all too. So we don't find that in, we don't have the same sharp knife in the view of shritta. We don't have beyond Macbeth. There's not Kimas and there's nothing like but we would use a knife rather than stone because it's more effective. Oh, so let's look at it. Even though, yeah, even though the metal would be more effective, the Maisa, they didn't want to use something which was created as a, as a destructive element when we could use something which wasn't. Now, why did that change? What was the, what, because that's not agreed, metal would be better. So what changed that now because the metal let the stone penetrate, now we're going to use metal for metal? Oh, so now the it was that the so to speak, let's say like this. The the uh, wait, 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 that uh, Yuval was latish. He, he was one who melted metal to make all kinds of implemented metal, which were also making about all kinds of weapons out of that. Uh, now, so what changed? Why now, after the Mice of Goliath, do we use the knife for Brisbane instead of having a stop? So, the Lukuri here is, is that a common metal is used as, or was always used as a weapon, so it's something we don't want to use for a breast. It's not like an exact but also, but still, it's not used for something which was a mitzvah, it was something which was bad and destructive. 
the Chiddush of the Nais by Goliath, if you look at it from the way the Midrash looks at it, and that is that the metal, the metal moved, so to speak, so that the stone could penetrate, was that here it didn't do the job of metal. On the other way around. Here it was willing to yield, yield so to speak, to the stone. Oh, that's okay. So it's not representing something which is destructive. That's representing something which is willing, which is going to not be destructive, so to speak. It's going to relinquish that role to uh, to, to do what Hashem wants. Okay, so then if that's the case, metal isn't, doesn't only have the connotation of destruction. If that's the case, we can use it for that for metal also. Then, then why wouldn't you use it for the other? Uh, the Mishnah the, the, the Mishnah or different. We have a special Mishnah in the Torah. Not is something which is uh, which is destructive on the Mishnah. That we can't change. We just said it's not destructive. No, that, that the Torah says. Mm-hmm. The Torah says you can't use it, we can't use it. The Torah doesn't say you can't use it for a breast. People didn't because it had a certain negative connotation to it. But once it loses that negative connotation, mm-hmm. we can use it for other things. Sounds like only metal. Now we're saying the entire you can also use stone for a meal. You could. You might say that you can use metal. That was the deal. Right. The mice became a thing you could use, to use metal. It's not so, hostage to other things. The Torah said you're not allowed to use metal in the Zerah. It doesn't change. When I came to Bristol, the question was what the Minog was. The Torah didn't specify what you have to use. And now the Minog changed. That once it became that it wasn't looked at as a negative thing anymore, so now we made it. It's a better implement to use. Why not? So that's the Minog today, to use metal for a Bristol. So that's the, that was the nice of how Kunis got killed, and the result, So they chased the Pishtim all the way back to the battlefield to the cities. And the whole way long they were dead Pishtim falling on the way. Uh, in other words, they, they realized they had lost the war. They were running for their lives and they had a lot of casualties as they were being pursued. Kreishu came back after chasing the Pishtim. They spoiled the camps of the Pishtim were. David takes the head of the Pishtim, where he's still holding on to He took on the sword and he brings it with him to Yerushalayim. Now, the question is, what are talking about? When? Wait, they didn't own Yerushalayim at this stage. Now we're going to see, they hadn't even conquered Yerushalayim. It was still a city of the Amor. It was only after David became a king that he conquered Yerushalayim. So, and there would be no reason why now in the battlefield, when he's so speak responsible to Shaul, who was the king, and Shaul wasn't in Yerushalayim, Shaul was in Givat Shaul, in Benjamin. So why would we take the head of the fish to Yerushalayim? Um, so the Mashmah says that this wasn't now, this was later. Uh, in other words, that it wasn't that he, he that at some stage later he took the fish to Yerushalayim, the scale of Sambal Um The cane of the fish, which means the arm of the fish, that we kept with him. And then again, you have to see what, what, uh, what's the arm we're talking about, because we're going to find later on. Uh, that David, the sword of Goliath, yes, was in the Mishkan. So, what stage did that happen? Here we see that the king's David kept him with him. Um, okay, so that's the, that's the victory of the Muhammad. Now the question is, what was the Indian of bringing the head of Goliath to Shalai?
So, firstly, there's a very interesting... There's a very interesting Radak, which no one else says. Radak brings Rishonim's father. That doesn't mean Shalim, it means no Verakari. Because Yishalayim was always later referred to as the place where the base of English was, and now uh, he would bring it to where the Mishkan was, which was in there. And it doesn't really mean Yishalayim, it just means the Yishalayim of the time, which was not. And why would he bring it there? So, uh, the Radak says, because basically, that's where the Mishkan was, so he wanted to thank Hashem for the victory. So, he, it was like to, to, to bring Gaius' head with him, and touch the shot. this is thank Hashem for the victory he had done for him. Um, it's a difficult thing to say. Firstly, we don't often find that if we they went to the Mishkan, so they never talked inside either the Mishkan where the Mishkan was. This idea of, of uh, na- naming the Mishkan wherever it happened to be Yerushalayim, we don't find it anywhere else. That's a bit of an unusual thing why we do that, yeah? And number two, the Mishkan wasn't in there. The Beis Amigdash, I mean the Aron HaKadosh, I think that was in the fields of Kiris What was in there was the Mizbech. And uh, they, they, because of the Kohen were there, because they could bring Korbanus, like a Korban Sibur. If a person wanted to do something, if Nei Hashem, the Chari would go to where the Aron was, not necessarily to where the Mizbech was. So it's a difficult to explain why you would go to, why you go to Nei Vera Kohen, um, with, with the head of Korbanus. Either way around, that's what Tavi did. And uh, the... The other Mahalak brought in the Farshim is that David took it with him to show everybody that he won. Because, remember that, what happened was not everyone was at the battlefield, and the Jews who were at the battlefield straight away chased the Pishtim. So it means everybody who wasn't there didn't know what happened in the war. So David takes Goliath's head with him, whereas he doesn't chase the other Pishtim. He goes back to the cities of where the Jews are to show he won the war, so that they would know that what had happened. <coughs> Okay, whatever the, the, whichever way it's going to be, that was the, the Matsudra says that it was the Vazir Sa'am to show people that he had won. That was the, the point of taking Goliath's head with him. Okay, so that's the, that was the battle, that was the next. Do people know what Goliath looked like? Pretty uh, big head. Uh, can you read? I was kind of some head around in the sword. They always asked, who's that? You know, they didn't, and you said, this is Goliath, this is the, the general of the Vishnu. So that would be first in the nice as well. Right, so that's uh, the last point, which is also in the Prisamunisa, that if it wasn't that, that happened. So then, and now we could add one more thing, I didn't see the Fashion where I had him on, I think it's Fashion, and that is, why do I have to walk around with Goris' head for that? Why do I have to walk around with Goris' head? Take his sword, or am I walking around with his head? And the answer is, you can see the Alan Nase also. You could see the stone in his forehead. It was Tishka Barakosa. So you want, the dog wanted to show the Nase, not just that he won, but how he won. So you take around Goliath's head, and the people can see that actually what happened. That's a much bigger expression of the next than just saying, I wonder what Goliath's head mm-hmm. That's why he definitely took it with him, so that he could use it as a way to show people that the next is in there.